Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with former Collingwood AFLW footballer Caitlin Edwards, Jacqueline Halliday from Canada's Hamilton Wildcats, all the latest from London with Mitch Skelly, plus our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox and Aaron Russell. That's all coming up over the next 80 minutes. I'm Peter Holton and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly note that this podcast airs first as a radio program, Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne and via the RSN Racing and Sport app, as well as the rsn.net.au website. Just click on digital radio. Of course, you can download this program as you have as a podcast via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts simply by searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Find us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash WARF radio or facebook.com forward slash WARF radio. And our match of the week, for the VFL Women's Competition this Sunday, the 8th of July, is Collingwood versus Darabin at Victoria Park. We go to air Sunday, 2pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Lucy Watkins will be making her play-by-play commentary debut. Join us 2pm Sunday via RSN Carnival, Digital Radio Melbourne, and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. Our first guest for this week started playing footy at the age of 10. She became a star at the senior women's level, playing for the East Fremantle Sharks in the WAWFL, played twice in the exhibition match series for the Western Bulldogs, and in late 2016 was drafted to Collingwood, where she'd end up playing 14 AFLW games. For the moment, she's hung up the boots at AFLW level to concentrate on playing women's rugby. It's our honour to have on the line, Caitlin Edwards. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. First of all, I believe you've just been in Canberra recently. Have you thawed out? Uh, yeah, that was absolutely freezing. In the morning, it got down to negative two, but it was a pretty good trip because the girls came away national championship champions, um, so that was a pretty awesome experience. And we should mention in rugby, but we'll come back to that in just a moment's time. We want to touch on your footy career, so we're going to flash back about a dozen years or so. I believe you first took up playing Aussie Rules as a 10-year-old at Thornley. Who encouraged you to come along and pick up the footy to begin with? Um, well, besides kicking the footy out the back with um, my, my brother and my dad, my mum used to play back in the day, and I think it got to the stage where I was like, I didn't want to play netball anymore, and I wanted to be just like mum. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go and, and play footy with the boys at school. Which club did your mum play for? Uh, she played for Gosnell's Hawks, um, which I think, yeah, turned into Southern River and, and possibly, yeah, not too sure from that point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it used to be Gosnell's Hawk back, Hawks back in the day. Yes, obviously a lot changed from the original four clubs that uh, began when the WAWFL uh, first began. As we said, you played out Thornley Way up until the age of 14, and like many, you, you had to make a decision at that time. How intimidating was it at 14 to say, I'm going to play senior women's football? And you did so at uh, East Fremantle. Uh, I I still remember um, my very first league game, and that was very intimidating. Um, But prior to that, I don't don't think I really thought about it. It was, um, I played my first season at Sneza, which is now Perth Angels, um, and we're in a lower division. So, um, yeah, I honestly didn't think about it until I moved to East Fremantle. Um, which, yeah, which was very scary in my first game, and I still remember it. Um, Brianna Green and I was, yeah, playing off a half forward, and, yeah, we both still remember it to this day, thinking about um, our coach kind of scared us a little bit, um, and she probably shouldn't have, but that was all right. Got through it in the end. And I believe uh, in those early years, especially, you played predominantly in the forward line. 
Yeah, I, um, I think because I was so young, that's what they, they, they stuck me in there. And then a few years later, um, I moved off that on, onto that halfback midfield sort of role. And uh, the, how did you end up getting down to East Fremantle? Because if I'm correct with Thornley, is that more towards the northern suburbs of Perth? Uh, it's more central. Yep. Um, it's in the Frio area. And that, once again, that would have to come down to Brianna Green um, played there. Um, and, yeah, we're pretty close. So um, I ended up moving there so I could play with her and, and get uh, a lot more opportunities, um, especially having uh, Nikki Harwood as, as head coach and um, East Frio having a league team. So, um, which I, I, I enjoy and I, I'm glad that I moved there in the end. Um, because yeah, it's such a, it's an awesome club and awesome people there. And before we talk about uh, your time with Webbo and, and Collingwood, before you got there, I do want to pick up on one thing that I managed to find on the East uh, Fremantle Women's Football Club website. There was a bit of a Q and A asking you a few questions. <laughs> one was the most embarrassing thing in footy. Can you guide us behind what happened one day in a goal square? Um, yeah, so it was under 18s. I think we were playing in Adelaide at the time. And I'm pretty sure we're versing Victoria. And it was pretty muddy in the square. And I've just gone to kick this out, kicked it, slipped straight over on my bum and kicked it straight to a Victorian. I'm pretty sure I ended up kicking a goal from it. So um, I've never, yeah, the girls still um, give me a bit of banter over it now. So um, definitely didn't, yeah, get past that. Well, you know what? Everyone that's a good player has got to have one of those stories. And for you, it, it you got the better end of football when it came to 2014 and 2015 with the exhibition matches. Can you guide us, particularly the first year for you for 2014, the nervousness of sitting there to see if your name would be called out amongst essentially only, what, 44 women that were going to play in this match? So my name actually um, didn't get called out my first exhibition match. Um, it wasn't until two weeks prior to, to the game um, unfortunately, Tia Haynes had done an ACL in one of the games. Mm. Um, and I got a call from Danaher at Bulldogs. Um, and, yeah, I honestly didn't believe it. I, I, I Yeah, I was like, I, is this a prank? Um, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. And it wasn't until Webbo called me that said, yeah, you're in. I was just excited. I think I was pacing around the house. Um, so that was, that was awesome. And, and that was my 18th birthday as well when we went away. So um, that was even more special. Um, that game and yeah, definitely nerve wracking playing in the uh, Etihad Stadium. So, yeah, you've actually had an opportunity to play in some big games. A, that was the first ever women's match at Etihad Stadium, and of course, as we'll jump back and forward at Collingwood, you played in the first ever AFL women's match for premiership points. To you, which was the occasion you're probably more nervous on? Your first ever time at this level, or the twenty odd thousand people at Icon Park? Um, I'd, I'd probably have to say at Etihad Stadium, being a lot younger, um, probably made it a lot more nerve-wracking. And um, the very first game at Collingwood, I was actually starting on the bench. So um, probably gave me a little bit of time for the game to start and sort of get roll into it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd probably have to say my very first um, AFL sort of game on an AFL ground. And, of course, you played exhibition match football again in uh, 2015. It was a bit of a glory period, wasn't it, for WA football around that time, as we saw with uh, the under-18s under Michelle Cowan wing for the first ever time when they knocked off Vic Metro in a carnival. And then, obviously, that famous game at Domain Stadium where, for the first time ever at senior women's level, WA beat Victoria. Yeah, I played in both those games, and um, that was a pretty incredible feeling. Uh, to this day, our state opens team, I can't believe how much 
everyone was just on the same page and just wanted that one thing and that was to beat Victoria. So, um, and the same with the national championships it was one of my favourite years, obviously winning. Um, yeah, both incredible moments that, yeah, I'll take with me. So come 2016, just before AFLW rolls around, you were starting to juggle your commitments with rugby. When did you actually first get into rugby and how did that happen? Um, I actually went to a school that didn't offer AFL and the, uh, it was a quite a big rugby school. And it wasn't until year 12 and I asked my friend, I was like, oh, you know, I want to do something here. Come down and play rugby with me. Um, and I think she, she turned up for one game and, and, and she was off off doing something else and, and and I just loved it and enjoyed it and I ended up getting into under 18s state side and then I just did sevens for ages and then um, the girls ended up poaching me down to, to rugby union and um, I've enjoyed it ever since and I enjoy both, playing both games so yeah um, but that's where it all started when school didn't offer any footy. <laughs> And I was about to mention that, obviously, you're playing uh, for, for the Western Force in, in Rugby Union. Have, have you been tempted across or tried your hand also at Rugby League? Um, no, not at this stage, and that's probably because it's not that big in WA. Um, I wouldn't mind giving it a go, but I do. I think I would prefer playing Rugby Union over League. So let's rewind back to late 2016. The national draft's going to roll around, and a few surprises, uh, one particularly for you, for nominating for the Victorian draft. Now, we do understand that Collingwood was your favourite AFL club, so you've ended up there. Um, so, so what made the decision to say, look, I'm going to jump across from the West Coast to the East Coast? Uh, probably wouldn't say Collingwood was my favourite club growing up. Um, I was actually a Freo supporter. Um, but I thought I was only 21 years old. Um, I'm young. This is a great time to move out, move out of home for the first time. It'll be a great experience. Why not nominate for the big draft? And um, obviously, Webbo had been named as an assistant coach. So she wanted me over there and was like, look, Collingwood are interested in you. And, and Wayne called me as well. And I thought, why not take this opportunity? Um, so that's how I ended up nominating for the big draft. The move was uh, quite smooth for you. Some other WA players there, Ruby Schleicher was there, Emma King. And I believe you were sharing a house with Tara Morgan as well. So that made the move a little bit easier. I should ask... Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Uh, I should ask the question about Tara Morgan and, and living over there. What was probably her worst habit as a housemate? Worst habit? Um, well, I ha- end up getting a puppy over there and probably letting the puppy jump up on the bed, to be honest. <laughs> um, now, Tara was pretty good. I mean, she always had Sunday roast. Um, and, yeah, she had lived out of home before, so she made it a lot more easier um, for myself and, and made it comfortable. So, yeah, I can't yeah, I can't really put anything on Tara. How was the shock, I guess, coming into the first pre-season for AFLW and the step up, and not only, obviously, the facilities around you that you're using, but the step up in the training program? Yeah, I was um, – I, I train, train quite consistently, um, obviously, juggling footy and rugby. Um, though it was a little bit more intense and, and I've always wanted to be put in that environment where, um, yeah, like, you know, I have to have to perform at this sort of level. So um, it was very tiring and sort of juggling that and, um, and, and that lifestyle was a bit hard and, and jumping from pretty much, yeah, yeah, not that intensity into higher. So it was a little bit tough, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it and, yeah, hopefully by the end of it I sort of got the hang of it. For semi-professional footballers, you've got to juggle the other parts of life. Um, for you, were you working while you're over here or were you continuing studying? 
Uh, I actually, yeah, I actually worked at Bounce in Essendon. Um, so I had a pretty, pretty sweet job, pretty casual. And I actually wasn't allowed to jump on a trampoline for the first, I think, three weeks that I was there um, due to having a niggle on my back. So that was slightly annoying, but um, they were super supportive and, yeah, it was a pretty awesome job. So. Uh, despite making a grand final, I guess one proud notch in your belt is that you're able to say that you played every game possible for Collingwood throughout the two seasons you were there. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was pretty yeah great. I suppose I, I performed enough to be able to play the next game, and um, you know I met so many people over there and a the bunch of girls. It was good going into a different environment where these girls didn't know how I play and I didn't know how they were. So it was sort of starting from scratch again. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a lot of friendships going to Victoria and, and playing for Collingwood. Now, as we know, um, throughout this year, I was it's the second season of AFLW, but Super W Rugby came along and started up. And obviously, talking about Rugby League just for a moment, they're obviously starting soon with their uh, uh, women's uh, competition. For you, when did the seed, I guess, be planted in your head that you wanted to make the switch, at least for now, from AFLW to playing Super W Rugby? Um, to be honest, it was probably about two weeks before uh, the trade period, so it, it sort of played in my head uh, when am I, you know, when might I change to rugby and give rugby a go? But um, yeah, a lot of processes went through it, and what do I actually want? Um, yeah, and it, yeah, it came to the stage where rugby is a world sport, and yeah, I want to try venture out of that and and, and give it a go. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a sort of last-minute thing that I'd and, – and I'm happy with that decision. I've sold on it. So, yeah. How does it feel to be, I guess, at least for the moment, the one that's kind of swimming against the grain a bit? We keep hearing the AFL roll out about players from other sports coming across to AFLW for yourself making the decision of, actually, no, I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, it was a little bit different. I know a few people are sort of questioning, you know, what's happened, da 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 um, but, yeah, I haven't really thought about it like that, um, going against that. Um, I know it was, yeah, a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit tough on the AFL sort of hearing that, I think, saying no to it. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm happy with that decision, so... What's your desire at the moment? Obviously, Super W is 15 rugby, but we know there's a lot of um, hype and media around sevens rugby because obviously we've done well at Olympic level. For you, what do you see as your preferred game, 15s or sevens? I'd love to play sevens. I'm not sure if I'm um, quite as quick or or built sort of like the sevens players like Charlotte Casley. Um, my ultimate goal, I'd love to go to the World Cup for um, Rugby Union for Australia. That, that would be awesome. And that's something I think I'm going to strive for for the next three years. Will you be continuing to be playing with the Western Force or to improve your game? Is it a consideration that you may have to move to one of the traditional rugby states like New South Wales or Queensland? Uh, no, I definitely think, you know, the Western Force have uh, just the same amount of offer than Queensland and New South Wales. Um, we have we have quite a bit of talent over here and um, the Australian squad that's just been announced, announced we've ha- we have a fair few picked up over here. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that's too much of an issue if I move over to New South Wales, Queensland, I'll stay here. And while you've been juggling that decision, just to throw another uh, a cog in the wheel, we've seen that your East Fremantle Sharks, which you love playing for, have been doing exceptionally well to start off the league season 2018 WAWFL. You're in the hunt if the form keeps going for a grand final spot. Um, I believe you're taking a bit of time off, but you'll be back to play finals? 
Yeah, 100% short. I'll be um, back in the next couple of weeks. So, um, but yeah, we've been on a flying start. We've only just lost um, last weekend. Um, so that was, that was okay. I, I, it's kind of scary going into a season undefeated or into finals undefeated. Um, so I don't mind that. I suppose it sort of puts us back in, back in perspective. So, um, but yeah, we, yeah, we've been flying through and we've got a lot of depth, um, this year and instead of just having your star players. So that's exciting seeing this young talent coming through. I think we have, yeah, quite a few players under, under the age of 20 and even their first year of footy. Um, so Weber's done pretty well to, to get us in shape for, for the season. And if I think if I'm correct, it's actually flowed down. You're actually doing well in the reserves and 18s as well. Yes, yeah. Colts is um, just come, coming up. I think we've had a few few weeks in a row where we've gotten all three re- wins for all teams. So um, that was pretty awesome because, yeah, there was a few years where, where we were sort of struggling, especially in that Colts area. Now, you do mention Webbo. Uh, Nicky Hardwood, of course, uh, was a midfield coach for the inaugural year at Collingwood, back now coaching with the uh, East Fremantle. How would you describe her as a coach? <laughs> um, I, it's interesting because she she has coached me since she was since I was 15. So um, she, she kind of knows me and understands me, which helps a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think she's very passionate. When there's times that uh, we might need to a bit of a spray, she'll give it to us. And um, if not, she yeah, she's pretty straightforward. So um, she's been one of, yeah one of my best football coaches um, to, yeah to this day. You've also been under a, a number of other coaches at AFLW level, including the 2015 exhibition matches with Lions coach um, Craig Starsevich, who coached the Bulldogs for that year, uh, Wayne Siegman at Collingwood, and of course, as you said, um, as WA State coach Michelle Cowan. How would you describe? the differences in styles between those three coaches? Yeah. Um, yeah, they all offer something different. I haven't had a lot to do with Craig Starsevich because it was only that one match, I think, a few days leading up. Um, he was quite placid, um, but what he knows, yeah, um, was quite broad. So um, Webo's a little bit more more passionate, um, yeah, a little more, more out there. And Michelle Cowan was um, – a lot more on the motivate, motivating side of things. Yeah, wanted to. Um, I think she thought a little bit more on the psychology side and and what she what she said and how she approached things. So, um, all three different coaches have you know something to give off, um, and yeah, as a player, something to learn off. So, um, it's good having that you know that knowledge of different coaches, and and especially since I'm coaching a little bit at the moment, uh, picking up on those things even if it's in a different sport. Just taking away from your time at Collingwood, I'll ask you a few key questions on some of the players. In, in your time there, who would you rate as the best player you played alongside at Collingwood? Um, the best player? Uh, the one player I loved playing with was uh, Jazzy Garner. I, I thought she was awesome. She could she could play a key, she could play a small, and she just had your back all, all day. So um, she was one player that, um, before I made my decision to to not go back to Collingwood, um, was really disappointed when she when she um, ended up going to North Melbourne, which um, was just fine that she's following, um, you know, her dreams and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I just loved playing um, with her. And two from left field in the locker room. Who would you see as the most intelligent footballer you had on your list? Most intelligent? Oh, you've put me on the spot here. Um, most intelligent. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I suppose Lauren uh, Tessario, Tessario, 
um, come, springs to mind. She was pretty smart um, when it comes to, I suppose, on the field, she'd say, uh, the, the most obvious things that no one would think about. Um, and it was, yeah, perfect every single time. Yeah, everything that came out of her mouth. I don't know if it's, uh, I suppose, book smart intelligence, um, but yeah, she's the first one that springs to mind. And who was the biggest serial pest, whether they be a prankster or just annoying everybody? Uh, probably Chloe Malloy, uh, only because her locker was underneath me. Uh, nah, uh, yeah, we just bumped into each other a little bit. I, I wouldn't say anyone was really a pest, to be honest. And just to, I guess, on the opposition, one, who is the hardest player you felt that you came up against as an opponent? Um, the hardest player that I would have struggled playing with, who I didn't actually verse in the end, was Brianna Green. Um, I found it quite tough versing one of my best friends. So, um, But unfortunately, in the end, she ended up doing a collarbone in the first season and, and doing an ACL in the second, um, which meant I didn't have to. But that was kind of nerve-wracking going up against her. And out of all the opposition, even if you didn't directly play on them, which player were you most in awe of? Uh, Chelsea Randall. And that's probably because I, I played with her as um, before. And she's just an absolute gun. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to play like her. Now, Caitlin, just before we let you go, for those that are keen to uh, keep an eye on your rugby schedule, um, when are you next to pick up the rugby ball and start playing again? Uh, that'll probably be in about three weeks or, or two weeks. Yeah, so that's down at Palmyra Rugby Union Club, um, and they've been super supportive of my AFL as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll be playing at home. Well, Caitlin, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best in your rugby career. The final's coming up with East Fremantle. And fingers crossed, hopefully one day we might see you back out there running in the AFL Women's Competition again. Thanks, Pete. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, Digital Radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Our next guest is calling in from Ontario, Canada. That's where she picked up playing Aussie Rules Football a couple of years ago with the Hamilton Wildcats in the AFL Ontario competition. Just last year, she came down to Melbourne to play a season with the Eastern Devils and would be part of their side that would win the AFL Southeast Women's Football League Division One title. She has represented Canada in Aussie Rules at the international level in the 49th Parallel Cup and the 2017 edition of the International Cup. It's great to have on the line, Jacqueline Halliday. Jacqueline, how are you? Good, how are you? Not too bad at all. Great to speak to you. And as we're telling your story, a, a, a Canadian who took up playing football in Hamilton. So for you, how did you come across Aussie Rules football? I um, first started playing when I worked at an indoor soccer dome. And they had their preseason there where they just played games for a couple hours every Saturday. So I just started, joined in, started playing, and then I met the coach of the team from there, and then he asked me to come out in the summer, and that's how I started playing footy. And you got hooked into the Hamilton Wildcats. For, for someone that had been working in indoor soccer, Damon, no doubt, playing a bit of soccer, what did you find is the hardest transition when you came to Aussie Rules football? What, what skill did you find hardest? Uh, the hardest part for me is kicking, because I have played soccer for the past probably 15 years. Uh, so I do the swing across the body, and I had to work on it over and over and over again to try and get this straight follow-through in training. So that was probably one of the hardest things for me. The other thing was just that it's a 360 game, so everyone's coming from everywhere, and the ball's flying from everywhere. 
You talked to it like a duck to water, didn't you, though? Because um, I think it was 2015 and 2016 uh, winning the Best and Fairest Awards for the Hamilton Wildcats. And I think one year the Golden Boot as well. Yeah, I guess so. That was pretty lucky for me. <laughs> I think it's different um, playing in Ontario than playing at, down at the Eastern Devils because we have some games we play 12 or 14 aside, so there's a lot of open space. So for someone like me who's used to running around a lot, I can just kind of run around and try things out. Well, it does. And plus, of course, you're playing with players very similar to your skill level as well uh, there in Ontario. Um, after a couple of seasons there, you came down to Melbourne. Now, and this year, we should mention that 2017 year was the International Cup. But what made you decide, for a sport you've only been playing for a couple of years, I'm going to move down to Melbourne for a year? Um, after when we had a tournament in Florida, when we go down for the Parallel Cup, our coaches were kind of talking about how there's different routes you can take in footy and you can go to IC and you can try and play in Australia and you can do different things. And I think that was kind of where I decided, oh, I'd like to go to Australia and see what it's like, see the different level. It'd be nice to travel there anyway. So I kind of decided I wanted to go the year before IC so I could train before that. And uh, they kind of just helped me and supported me through that, helped me find out where I was going to play and kind of gave me some connections to talk to so I could figure it out. So that's why I went down there the year before IC started. A big Canadian uh, connection down there, obviously, at the Eastern Devils with the likes of Amy Legault going through there, Valerie Moreau, Kendra Heil, just to name a few. How did it feel to arrive at this uh, football ground in Melbourne in the uh, outer eastern suburbs? Certainly a lot different, I am guessing, from Ontario. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot different from Ontario. Um, There's a lot of players. I think last year at our club we had three teams and we had about 80 players. Uh, everyone was really welcoming. I remember I was really shy at first, and I'd always try to go with people I kind of knew already. And then they'd split me up and make me go with new girls or girls that have played in the AFLW and all different people. And it was like just they were also supportive and great to help with skills and anything that I needed. So I loved being down there with them. And what's it, what does it mean to you personally? Um, you end up winning a, a premiership uh, with their second side who played in the Southeastern uh, Division One competition. But when you've got that three sides, to be in the top end of the second team, to be, in other words, with respect, better than 60-odd players that are below you in either your side or in the third team, what does that mean to be so far ahead of those who've grown up with the game? I don't know if it's so far ahead. I feel like... When you have that many good players around you supporting you, it just brings you up and makes you that much better. It's different when you have people doing the little things like shepherding for you or talking to you and telling you where to go. That makes a huge difference in a game. And it opens up a lot of space and time for you that you don't know you have sometimes when you're playing with um, newer people at different levels. And what does it mean to you personally on your career highlights of all the sports that you've played? to have that premiership for the Eastern Devils Division One in the Southeast Women's Competition? Yeah, that's amazing to me. I feel like that was a great experience for me. I think in Ontario, I've played on a team that we've made it to the grand final four years in a row, and we've lost every time. <laughs> so we finally won one in Australia, and I was like, I finally won a grand final. One out of five isn't bad. <laughs> so it was good. It was very different. Everyone was involved, and everyone was there. So it was, like, very exciting. I was happy to be able to play because during the season there, I actually broke my wrist. And I was out for a while. And then um, I just got back right before IC started. And then I got to finish out the season with playoffs with the Devils. So 
that was great for me. And what does it mean also to be playing alongside a Canadian in that game who did well, Leah Vance-Vennett, who uh, took best on ground honours for the Devils? Yeah, it's always great to see Leah do well. We started playing footy here together. We didn't really know each other a lot the first year we played because I worked a lot and I had a hard time getting to all the trainings and staying after games and stuff to hang out with the team. But um, we decided to travel. When I decided to travel, I said, you should come with me, and she did. And I think it was a great idea for both of us to just get out and do that. Uh, her game's improved huge, and she is a very good player. She deserved best on ground that game. <laughs> and what do you think of the Australian tradition as well of Mad Monday to celebrate that premiership? Mad Monday was fun. I love dressing up. I think it was, the one thing that I thought was funny that everyone in Australia loves dressing up for Mad Monday um, and other events, but they don't really dress up for Halloween as much as we do here. Like Halloween's a really big thing for me over here. <laughs> Uh, Mad Monday was very fun. We did an 80s theme, so we got to dress up all crimped hair and makeup and different styles. Everyone was so funny to see. Let's step back for a moment to representative honours. Before I see 17, as you mentioned earlier, you got to play in the 49th Parallel Cup for Canada against the USA in Florida. What did it mean to you personally to be given the Canadian jumper, national honours? I think it was a really big honour to be given national jersey um it's a lot of work and it's a lot of different people supporting you i remember there's candace kwan who just coached us in our ontario for ontario this past tournament um she would go early to practice with me and help me with skills and do all that so that i could try and make it to go to the game in florida so it was a great experience for me that was probably only my second time playing 18 aside which is always good to get those experiences. That's why I think last weekend was so good because it gave a lot of girls opportunities to play 18 aside that usually don't. And it's a whole game changer when you have that many more people on the field and there's so much more that can happen. So I see 17. How intimidating is it to be playing, not only obviously against the best in the world uh, outside of Australia when it comes to Aussie rules football, but playing in a team that's going into the tournament as reigning champions? Yeah, it was different. It was different because I wasn't on that team that took the championship title um i knew that every team that was out there was going to be gunning to try and beat our team um it was a good experience for us i think i liked playing all the different countries and meeting everyone and kind of having that connection like everyone just loves footy and comes to play and you see so many good athletes at that tournament I guess one key question was, uh, after that first game, um, how many of the girls were in the ice bars after that battle with Fiji? <laughs> yeah, that was a rough game against Fiji. I didn't play. They sat me for that game because I was just coming off of my wrist being injured, so they thought they didn't want to risk it because they knew it was going to be a rough game because a lot of them, I think, come from rugby backgrounds. Yeah, it looked very intense, that game. I don't think I've seen that many hard hits in one game ever. You had the opportunity uh, to play in games such as uh, against Pakistan, against um, Great Britain as well, which helped you top the pool. Um, and, and then, of course, there was the um, uh, semi-final against the USA. Um, how, I guess, weird was that day in respect of, not only, obviously you won the semi-final, went through to the grand final, but there was a stoppage there because Brett Bauer had, had hurt her neck and obviously the game had to be stopped. She had to be taken away in an ambulance. What's the feeling when you're essentially you're standing around for 30 or 40 minutes wondering what's going on? 
Yeah, it's different when they stop a game. It's uh, always concerning when someone's that injured that the ambulance has to come. So I think we just tried to keep her spirits up and hope that she was going to be okay, but still stay focused on the game. It's hard to stay focused when you're waiting for that long. Um, and kind of stay warm, don't get tight. It's very It's always a very intense game against the States. I think we just have that thing with them. They're our rival. So it was good. It was a good game, but I'm glad that she was okay after. You made it through to the grand final. Um, I know the result didn't go your way. You tried your very best at the end. You just couldn't find your way through the big sticks to get the lead in the dying moments against Ireland. So you finished runners-up. But how was it to be, I guess, uh, for the team to have that experience of running out on Etihad Stadium and, um, I guess, being in the spotlight again of uh, being one of the top two teams in women's football? Yeah, the Etihad Stadium was beautiful to play on. It was very different running out. It's just like a whole new world when you're not on an outdoor pitch. Um, It was a tough loss. I think there was a lot of, obviously, upset by our team. Um, I think they fought hard, and we'll just see what's going to happen next time. I think everyone's going to work hard um, the coming years to go until I see. After that loss, what is the thinking that people just didn't want to think about international women's football for a little while? Or, or has there been a steely resolve from the girls, whether it be on social media or whether you meet at football training, etc., of, right, the campaign for 2020 to get the title back starts now? Um, I think it's always good for people to have a break kind of after that. Um, after three weeks of just footy, footy, footy nonstop. Uh, when you come home, kind of just want, like, a, you finish out your your season for your teams here and then you have a break from it um I think there's always a thought in the background of especially for the players who do want to succeed and do want to make it to IC and do want to do well that they're always thinking that okay we're going to push like even if it's just working on our own or asking someone to come to training early to kick or staying later to kick goals after training or work on things that they want to do I think that that's always in the back of some of the players minds I know um this tournament I spent some time talking to some rookies from a few different teams that were interested in trying to make the IC team for next time around. And uh, they were just telling me what they want to work on. And I was talking to them about some of the good things I noticed them do during the game. So that was nice to see. The interest is always there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully some more international football soon for you and the Canada Northern Lights. Obviously, there's been talk that hopefully uh, 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 the GB Swans or Ireland will come across to Canada to play a match as well, uh, particularly GB because of uh, the uh, Midnight Suns that went over there for a development uh, series last year. So fingers crossed some more international football for you. On the home front, of course, with the AFL Ontario League, a great start to the season for the Hamilton Wildcats. Uh, you guys sitting on top of the table at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been good. We've recruited a lot this year, which has been nice. And there are a lot of different, um, come from different sports backgrounds, some baseball, some CrossFit, uh, different things. So it's always good to see new players and help them develop. Because coming from something like CrossFit, they might not be used to a team sport. Whereas baseball, they are. There's just different things. It's always nice to see people, a few practices, trying to get it. And then when they finally clicks and they're happy and they're proud of themselves, then that's always what is very good for me to watch. Absolutely. And uh, flying with three wins, one loss at the moment at the halfway point uh, of the season. Just this weekend, you had the um, 
AFL Canada Nationals. Of course, we had the privilege of talking with Candice Kwan a, a couple of months ago. And uh, what a job she's done with your side, leading you to a championship victory in emphatic style as well over Quebec, 64-7 to in the grand final. Yeah, Candice is a great coach. Um, I think it's very important that she is coaching. She started coaching the High Park Demons this year in Toronto. So she's been working with that team for the women. And then when the application came out, she put her hand up to coach for the Ontario team. Um, and I think it's been great for us. Who were some of the star standout players in your mind for the Ontario team throughout the weekend's tournament? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I feel like everyone played so well as a team. Like we had like Leah and Justine and Amanda on forward taking great marks. And we had all our midfield running so hard. We even had a couple new rookies. Like um, there's Jen and Sam that were making runs off of defense. Um, I feel like everyone just supported each other so much that when they did get the ball, they weren't afraid to try something, which is always great to watch. I don't know about standout players. I feel like it was a really big team effort this weekend, which was nice. There wasn't really a lot of people trying to do everything themselves. And what's next for yourself, Jacqueline, when it comes to Aussie rules football? Do you see yourself playing for several more years and and having a crack again at IC 2020 and running around one more time for the Canadian Northern Lights? Yeah, I'd love to have a crack at IC 2020. Um, That's probably my goal right now. Uh, So as long as my body holds up, then I will be trying to make that team. (laughs) Well, Jacqueline, thank you very much for spending five minutes and joining us here on uh, Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the season with the Hamilton Wildcats and the AFL Ontario competition. And hopefully in a couple of years' time, we'll see you back here in Australia for IC 2020. Thank you. Let's stay with our overseas focus by finding out what happened in the latest round of the AFL London Women's League. And it's great to have on the line the coach of the Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens in Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Pete. Yeah, it's 30 degrees and sunny in London. It has been for about two weeks, so we're over the moon. 30 degrees in Australia be classified as mildly warm. I guess you call that a scorcher over in the UK. Yeah, the uh, the city's melting down. There's actually drink vending machines are out of cans because everyone's so hot they need to buy drinks. Supermarkets run out of water. It's a bit uh, mental over here when it gets to 30. Jeez, that's what I call a nice day at the cricket during summer. <laughs> Let's have a look at uh, what happened in the AFL London Women's Footy League over the weekend. Let's start, first of all, in the Premiership Division. And uh, your Wandsworth Demons continue their mighty march, 7-12-54, defeating the South East London Giants, 1-3-9. Yeah, another win for us, but a little bit closer than the last time we met. Uh, so on the weekend, the Giants played some really good footy, and that sort of the scoreline probably doesn't really reflect that. But yeah, they had, they had a good game, uh, and it wasn't if it wasn't for our back line led by Prip Lodge, probably would have been a lot closer. Uh, for the Giants, they got two co-captains, Janice McKay at halfback. She played really well on the weekend, took a lot of marks, drove a lot of their attack, um, and Gemma Lowenthal in the midfield. So that was their prime contributors. And um, for the Demons, one of our newer players, Lizzie Guns Taylor, was her second game for the club, did really well, as well as Spud McKenzie uh, at half forward. So, yeah, it was a good win for the Demons, but despite the scoreline, I think the Giants have shown they've improved quite a bit over the last couple of months. So they should be, yeah, hoping for their first win soon. And in the other women's premiership match, uh, the North London Lions, a bit inaccurate, 3 13 31, defeating the West London Wildcats 1 1 7. 
Yeah, by all reports, this game was well controlled by the Lions. Um, but yeah, as you can see by the score line, it's probably a bit of inaccurate kicking has cost them putting on a bigger score. Uh, Heather Muir, who's a Queenslander who's based in Cambridge, was best on ground for the Lions. Apparently, she took quite a few big grabs, broke a few tackles, and was instrumental in a lot of their attack. Um, so after this weekend, we've basically seen no change to the ladder. So Demons and Lions sort of surged further ahead as the top two. Uh, with the Wildcats in third, Wimbledon Hawks in fourth, and the Giants in fifth place. Uh, so, yeah, looking to try and get their way into the top four. To the Women's Conference Division, the Putney Magpies, 1-8-14, going down in a thriller to the uh, Wandsworth Demons, 2-4-16. Yeah, I'm told this one was an absolute cracking game. So one of our Demons, Bonnie Johnson, or Buckets as we know her, uh, she scored a goal in the last minute to put the Demons ahead and we only won by two points. So that's a great result for the girls. Um, yeah, but as you can see, again, Putney's had a lot more scoring opportunities. One goal, eight. So I think for them, a bit of bad kicking or missing a few opportunities has probably cost them a win here. Uh, for the Demons, uh, German Nat Ludwig was best on ground along with skipper Jenna Steele. And for Putney, uh, Hannah Nordman, I believe, played in the ruck and maybe centre half back as well. Apparently, she was really dominant too. And in the other women's conference game, the London Swans, 4 8 32, defeating the West London Wildcats, no score. Yeah, so last time these two played, it was almost the reverse of the score with the Wildcats winning. Uh, so the Swans, they'll be wrapped to get one over the, over the, over the Cats. And as well as that, the Swans now move into the top spot of the table. So we knew going into this round that. Had Putney and uh, the Wildcats won, all four teams would have been on the same amount of wins. Obviously, it hasn't gone that way. So we now see the Demons and Swans two games clear out on top of the ladder with 0.3% between them. Uh, and that is important there because the top team gets an automatic spot in the final, whereas whoever finishes second will play either, well, will most likely be playing against either the uh, Wildcats or Putney who are battling it out for third spot on the table. So... Still quite a close and tight league there. Looking ahead to this weekend, a special weekend in AFL London's women's football with the Pride Round. Yeah, it's a very special weekend. So it's obviously uh, London Pride, which is one of the biggest marches around the world. Um, that's on Saturday afternoon. So I think it's the first time an AFL league or an AFL organisation has entered uh, into the march. So I think there might even be 80 to 100 people associated with Australian rules football in England and even people from other parts of Europe flying in for it. Um, and so to accommodate this, a few of the games have even been moved around. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. There'll be lots of colour out on the weekend uh, for the footy games. I think a few teams have got custom jerseys. I know the Demons we do. It's a really cool jumper with the sort of rainbow incorporated into the design. And I think everyone's had the opportunity to buy their rainbow socks. So, yeah, it's going to be got a good fun weekend as well as that. Some really good games of footy too. And who will be the sides uh, taking part this weekend in the Premiership and Conference Divisions? Okay, so Premiership on Friday night, 7pm at Clapham Common. This is Demons versus Wildcats, or it's first versus third. Uh, when the Demons, when we met the Wildcats in round one, we actually had, we had a pretty comfortable lead, but the game was called off early due to an injury. So obviously we're hoping this week, uh, the game goes to full distance. But since the start of the season, we've seen the Wildcats, their results have been getting better and better. Um, with players like Zali Tuvi in the midfield and uh, Alex Farrell up forward, we know that they'll be out for a 
big game on Friday. They'll be hoping to knock off one of the those sort of top teams and really assert themselves. So, yeah, that'll be awesome. I think we'll get a few people down at Clapham Common too with, you know, it's a, it, we've built it as the pride, the official pride game for our club. So we're trying to get lots of people down, bringing their flags and their colours and everything. So it should be a good, yeah, just, just be a good event. The other game in Premiership is on Sunday. So another one that's been moved from Saturday to accommodate the uh, pride march. We've got South East London Giants hosting Wimbledon Hawks. So I've seen both of these teams over the last two weeks, and I think it's going to be a really tight game. Uh, the Giants, they are currently winless, but the Hawks are only one game ahead of them. So I think it could quite possibly decide the fourth spot in the finals. Based on what we saw on the weekend, I think the Giants may actually get up for their first win. They seem to have picked up a few really strong players, I think possibly with a rugby background. Um, they moved the ball well on the weekend. They had some pretty good skills. So if they're going to do it on their home ground against the Hawks, this is their chance to get their first win on the board. And to the conference division yeah. for this weekend. Yeah, then in the conference, we've got another Friday night game. So this one is London Swans versus Putney Magpies. Uh, they're actually starting at 8 p.m. So I'm thinking they're confident it's going to be a, a sunny day in London on Friday because it's going to end at 9.30 and there's no lights out at Hackney Fields. Uh, Swans currently holding top spot, like we said before, so looking to get another win and assert themselves. But Putney, they're a really good side. They've got a strong couple of strong tall players, so if they can get on top of the midfield, surge forward, uh, anything's possible, but I think the Swans should take out that one. And the final game of the round is Saturday morning, so it's a, an, another one that's an early kickoff this time to accommodate the Pride March. Uh, 9am start for the, for the conference women, for the Demons and Wildcats. Now at the moment, uh, they've played each other twice, it was one win apiece, so it's pretty hard to pick the form. I think the the Wildcats, their premiership side play on Friday. They may have a few players who try and double up and play both games in the weekend. We'll see how that goes. That could impact the outcome. Uh, from our Demons' point of view, they've played in a lot of really tight, low-scoring games this year. So I think whatever whoever does win this game, I think it'll be sort of less than two-goal margin and it should go down to the wire. Well, Mitch, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to uh, catching up with you next week as we review yet another round of London women's football. Sounds great. Can't wait to talk about Pride Round. And just another quick piece of international women's footy news. The R-Fly Women's Competition, otherwise known as the Australian Rules Football League Island Women's Competition, has been renamed. It is now known as AFL Island Women's, and they're looking to start a new premiership season at the end of this month. Time for our State League's wrap. Let's find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Lauren Hodgson is still away on holiday, so we'll do a quick run-through of the scores. Uh, UTS Shamrocks 3-1-19 went down to Auburn Penrith Giants 3-6-24 in a thriller. Mac Uni 3-3-21 defeated the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 2-2-14. Sydney Uni Bombers 7-4-46 defeated the Newtown Breakaways 3-8-26. While the Western Wolves 4-5-29 were defeated by the Southern Power Five seven thirty seven. Looking ahead to round twelve this weekend, all games being played on Saturday, the seventh of July, eleven forty a.m. at Marnie Park. Newtown Breakaways host the Southern Power. Twelve ten p.m. at Village Green, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs host the Sydney Uni Bombers. One fifty p.m. at Grey Gums Oval, Auburn Penrith Giants host Mac University, and at two p.m. at Trumper Park, UTS Shamrocks host the Western Wolves. Looking to the AFL Canberra. 
Competition first grade women's round nine played over the weekend, and Belconnen seven eight fifty defeated Eastlake two four sixteen. Quimbian eight two fifty defeated Gungarland one two eight. While Tugranong three one nineteen were defeated by Ainsley seven six forty eight. To round ten in the UNSW Canberra first grade women's competition, all games being played on Saturday seventh of July at ten a.m. at Adiro Law Nest. Belconnen host Quimbian twelve p.m. at Kingston Oval. Eastlake host Tugranong and four p.m. At Gungarland enclosed oval. Gungarland host Ainsley. Time to find out what's happening in the QWAFL. And joining us on the line is a premiership coach with the Coolangatta Tweed Footy Club. It's Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, Peter, I am raring to go. Big round 12 of footy's just been by to start shaping what the finals might look like. And we start on uh, Saturday. When your lot, Coolangatta Tweed, 5 5 35, did a number on Bond University, just the five behinds. Yeah, low-scoring game uh, down there on the, the Battle of the Gold Coast. Uh, Bond, not even to score a single goal. Um, well well played, though, to uh, Ariana Clark. Had a good game for, for Bond, who's obviously crossed over from, from Cooley on a scholarship there. Um, big raps on this player, Lauren Bella, who played a handful of games for Bond and, and, and was uh, one of the standouts on the weekend. But, yeah, Cooley... Too strong, Lauren James continuing her goal kicking, uh, goal, goal kicking, um, prowess, uh, and, uh, bobbed up with another two, um, league, uh, goals. Um, so she's up there in the tally as well, um, league leading, leading scorer, but yeah, clearly too strong, um, uh, by 30 points. And the Gorillas march on. Wilston Grange Gorillas, 14-11-95, defeating the Maroochydore Roos, 1-2-8. Too strong, uh, Wilson Grange, uh, for everyone at the moment, not just Maroochydore. So they can't feel too bad about that uh, up there. They uh, uh, can't put a foot wrong at the moment, Wilson Grange. Uh, be really interesting to see how uh, their depth gets tested um, over the coming weeks with some of their... Uh, star players out at uh, under-18s duties and uh, winner series duties. So really interesting to see how it's tested. I think it'll stand up well. Um, but too strong against Maruchidor, um, uh with the likes of a player I have my on at the moment, Isabel Dawes, who was originally a Maruchidor, a Sunshine Coast product, uh, down here in Brisbane playing for Wilson Grange. Uh, she was their best player um, in that game, and she's one to watch. Um, for emerging talent uh, for AFLW. Um, keep your eyes peeled out for that name. But, um, yeah, way too strong, Wilson. And who, who's going to stop him at the moment? Where's it going to come from? That's that's the question uh, we're all asking up here at the moment, I think. So that um, name to, too strong for Mirchel. So that name to remember again, Isabella Dawes. Yes, Isabella Dawes. Let's open some open up for her. Let's move across to the Sunday game. And uh, UQ Red Lions 3-4-22 went down to the Cooparoo Kings 10-8-68. Yeah, must win for both teams, uh, particularly UQ making a push for the finals. Uh, their coach still believes that they can they can make the finals, uh, even after losing this game. And you know what? I, I still agree with him. Um, it's a great showing for Cooperoo, especially coming into the back half of the season. Um, you know, they'll be pleased to see some of their, their, uh, players. And Sally Young has a stalwart for the club, mentioned her a few times this year, but uh, she had a good game. Um, so that, they'll be wrapped to see her getting into some form. A couple of their younger players also playing really well. Um, and, uh, Paige Parker 
who is a Australian representative touch player um, who is uh, on the Suns radar at the moment, also having a good game. Um, Megan Hunt having good game for UQ. Unfortunately, uh, they were missing Bree Conan, who is definitely, in my opinion, um, their most important player, or at least as important as Sabrina Frederick-Chorb, who um, uh, only managed to kick the one goal uh, for UQ on the weekend. Kate McCarthy um, kicking a fantastic goal for them, as, as we know, in true Kate McCarthy form. Um, ran a good 50 metres uh, to bob up in the goal square. Um, and finish one off there. So, uh, but yeah, UQ not strong enough. It's going to be interesting coming into the back of the season. They've really got to start putting some wins together if they're going to make it. Um, I think there's still uh, still a slight chance, but they need to need to be putting out a uh, fully strength side on the park. And Bree Conan needs to be one of them. Uronga South Brisbane having the buy in that round. Looking ahead to round 13, all games on Saturday, all starting at 4.45pm. First of all, Cullen Gattatweed play host to the top of the table, Wilson Grange. Yeah, who, who can it be Cullen Gattatweed this weekend? Who knows? Um, we will find out. They do have the home ground advantage. Uh, I think Wilson will be without a couple of players. Cooley, similar boat. Um, they've been without uh, Leah. Um, for most of the season, Maddie Roberts um, has been playing fantastic footy. I think she will be missing, though. Um, they will have home ground advantage. Uh, probably one of the matches of the round, I think, still this one. Um, whether they can do it, this is going to be playing against a lot of Wilson Gaines' depth. So at home, could be a chance. Hopefully uh, it's a good game down on the coast and both of these sides will be wanting to, to gear up towards finals. So... Um, uh, both obviously looking for a really strong strong win here. Uh, Wilson don't want to let one slip. Um, who knows, Peter? Maybe losing a game might actually uh, might actually put them put them in better shape coming into finals uh, rather than going into a series undefeated. But um, as we know, they've been too strong for everyone so far. As used to be described by Mick Ellis of uh, Inside Footy, he called it the Loss Aversion Institute, <laughs> saying that you need you needed to drop one before the finals just to uh, just to wake everyone up. Cooperu uh, hosting uh, Bond University at four forty five pm at Giffen Park. Yeah, Cooperu, uh, they'll be feeling pretty confident after their. Um, win over UQ on the weekend, uh, coming up against the next university in Bond. have been struggling to put any wins together uh, really since in the second half of the season. Um, they've had a pretty good purple patch at the start of the year, uh, but they're really playing against um, sides with their you know top-end talent in the, in the team. So um, I think they're finding a little bit harder to compete um, now. Um, but they really need to find a win or a couple of wins if they're to stay in in contention um, for finals as well. So they're really uh, eyeing off that last position. Um, you know, more likely than not with either UQ, Yoronga, um, you know, we could see potentially a, a Cooley maybe drop out, but they'd have to lose pretty much every game uh, remaining to do it. Um, but Bond, they need to need to pull some wins together. Um, their percentage isn't as good as, as UQ's. Um, either so they're only a game in front at the moment um, could this be one that, that they win that helps maybe solidify that fourth position I don't know I think uh, Cooper are probably a bit too strong at this point and probably feeling pretty confident going into this match especially at home as well um, probably think Cooper are too strong in this one 
And finally, at the Maroochydore Multisports Complex, uh, Maroochydore play host to Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, uh, two home games in a row for Maroochydore. Um, uh, again, uh, they've they uh, obviously out of the finals race here, but they've been putting together some some decent performances. They've got some good young talent, but they just want to keep developing that. I think um, over the last couple of rounds, sort of gear up for the next season and see where they can improve and and um, you know challenge themselves. And you know, Yoronga have been in a similar sort of position now. You know, they've, they've lo- have lost a lot of um, depth. Uh, since since their premiership side last year, uh, and I think they'll be looking to develop some of their girls and potentially gearing up um, for the upcoming year as well. They still, um, by calculations, can make it into the finals as well. This is definitely one of the games they can't afford to drop um, if they are to do that. Um, but I think Maruchido may be fancying themselves to get a uh, get an underdog win here at home. So it could be. Could be a close game. Um, hopefully, we're looking for for a, a close game uh, up on the Sunshine Coast in this one. But I think you're on the maybe maybe too strong, um, but could be could be one to watch. Well, Aaron, thanks again for joining us this week on RSN Carnival with Women's Australian Rules Football, and we look forward to catching you next week as we review yet another round of the QWAFL. Thanks for having me, as always. Time to find out what's been happening in the WAWFL. It was round 12 over the weekend. And Caitlin Edwards' uh, club, East Fremantle, 9-10-64, accounted for Claremont 2-1-13. West Perth, 12-15-87, defeated South Fremantle 2-2-14. Perth Angels, 3-4-22, were defeated by the Peel Thunderbirds, 24-17-161. While Swan District, 6-5-41, defeated Subiaco, for 13.37. Looking ahead to round 13 action, uh, three games on Saturday, one on the Sunday. Saturday, 12 p.m. at Still Blue Ovals, one districts, host Perth Angels. 5 p.m. at Leaderville Ovals, Subiaco host East Fremantle. 5.30 p.m. at Fremantle Ovals, South Fremantle host Claremont. While on the Sunday at 2 p.m. at Bendigo Bank Stadium, Peel Thunderbirds host West Perth. Across the Tasmanian State League women's competition, round 10 played over the weekend. Launceston 2-9-21 were defeated by Clarence 7-4-46. And Burnie 4-4-28 were defeated by Glenorchy 12-10-82. Looking ahead to round 11 action, both games on Sunday, 12pm at Twins Oval, the Tigers host Clarence. 12.30pm at Evandale, Launceston host Glenorchy. To the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition. Round 10 was played over the weekend. Fitzroy 7-7-49 defeated Salisbury 3-9-27. Adelaide University 9-13-67 defeated Port Adelaide 1-2-8. And Morpherville Park 7-4-46 defeated Christie's Beach 1-6-12. To round 11 in that competition. One game on the Saturday 2-10pm at John Bice Memorial Oval where Christie's Beach host Port Adelaide. Sunday 3pm at Callett Reserve. Morpherville Park host Fitzroy while 3pm at Salisbury Oval, the Salisbury Magpies host Adelaide University. Time to find out what's been happening in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition and joining us on the line, our lead caller here at RSN Carnival, it's Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Um, defrosting after the weekend up in Ballarat, although we had the nice uh, warm heater in the, the commentary box on the weekend. Um, but it was a good game up in Ballarat on Sunday where we saw the Western Bulldogs defeat Geelong, their first loss of the season. And as always, there are some other interesting results across round eight, which was the halfway point of the home and away season for the VFLW. Well, let's start by looking back at the Saturday morning game. And it's a bit of a familiar story. 
Essendon pushing aside for part of the way, but in the end, falling flat in the final quarter. Essendon, 3-3-21, going down to the Casey Demons, 6-11-47. Yeah, this was equal up until um, probably half-time. On the, on the scoreboard, uh, Casey had eight scoring shots up until half-time to Essendon's three. But just looking at uh, how it developed, it looked as though it was a, a fairly tight contest, as we've come to expect from the Bombers. They can push, but they're... Scoring effectiveness uh, isn't quite there uh, just yet. They were able to kick three goals, uh, sorry, two goals, one in the third quarter, but then they weren't, they didn't score after that. Casey running away with the game and were actually quite inaccurate. So they would have had a much bigger margin than what the end result was kicking 6 11 on the weekend. Goal kickers in this game Hall kicked two, Cordner, Sloan, Bentvelsen and Zanka were the other goal kickers for the Casey Demons. Ponta, in her return to the Essendon side, kicked two goals. And Valerie Moreau, who continues to bob up for the Essendon Football Club, she kicked a goal for them as well. Disposal getters on the ground, Catherine Smith, the former Eastern Devils player and, of course, Melbourne AFLW player, racked up 22 touches on the weekend, also racked up four tackles With that, uh, Bianca Jacobson uh, had 20 disposals on the weekend and racked up nine tackles. The best for the Bombers was Jessica Trend. She had 20 touches on the weekend and six tackles. Again, her and Moreau seem to be the shining lights of the Essendon Football Club at the moment. For Casey, it's a good win, but uh, not sure whether they can do much about making finals. Now, I think they've left their run a little too late, although, as we pointed out last week, they have already... Uh, completed their two buys for the season. They do need everything to go right from this moment onwards. And talking about sides skating on thin ice when it comes to finals chances, Carlton 6-6-42 went down to Melbourne Uni 7-6-48. Yeah, another close loss for the Carlton Football Club. Uh, they've had a couple of them in the recent past and just makes you think if they had an extra one or two AFLW players in their side, whether they would have got them across the line. Melbourne Uni getting the job done on the weekend, as they need to do now if uh, they do want to play a part in finals in 2018. They really need to get a wriggle on and get some good results under their belt, and they're also going to need some to fall their way as well. 6-7-48 to 6-6-42, as you said. The final score, it was even right across the match. Uh, Carlton... Got out of the blocks, kicking 5-2 in the first quarter. They didn't score in the second. It was all level at half time. Melbourne Uni got their noses in front in the third quarter. And, in fact, a goal wasn't kicked in the last term. They were all minus scores. Two behinds to Carlton, four behinds to Melbourne University. So it was a tight tussle at Icon Park. The muggers getting over the line. Angelus did her role. She kicked three goals on the weekend for the Muggers. Price kicked two. Greaser and Ashmore also contributing to the, the, the scoreboard with goals. Whilst on the Carlton side of things, Harrington kicked two. Hardiman, Downey, Geitzman and Cox were the other goal kickers for the Carlton Football Club. And the disposals in this game, uh, Sophie Lee had 27 touches, racking up a lot of the uh, ball on the weekend. Ash Riddle, 24 touches for Melbourne Uni, their best. And I suppose with uh, Lee's uh, disposal count, uh, you can, it goes to your theory from last week, Pete. 
Carlton seem to get a lot of the footy, but they're not quite sure what to do with it. Richmond, 4-1-25, were defeated by Hawthorne, 4-5-29. And before we jump into the stats and looking closely at that game, some sad injury news coming out of the Tigers. Yeah, Sophie Conway, who plays AFLW for the Brisbane Lions, uh, and had come down to Richmond, was doing some training with them. From what we understand, uh, unfortunately suffered an ACL injury in the past seven days. Uh, So it's sad news and will obviously mean she will miss the third season of the AFLW. So we wish her a speedy recovery with that. Come down uh, trying her hand at the the Victorian Football League women's competition. Uh, Unfortunately, though, wasn't able to take the park. Hasn't played a game for the Tigers. Um, But uh, as we said, we wish her all the best with the recovery and we hope to see her pull on the Lions jumper in AFLW season four. The game itself on the weekend at the Swinburne Centre was very, very tight. No goals in the opening term. Hawthorne had 4-4 at half time. Richmond got on the scoreboard with two goals. And then uh, Hawthorne got one point after half time. Richmond pushed and pushed and pushed. Unfortunately, just for them, unfortunately, just falling short of Hawthorne on the weekend. They're a side full of confidence. I've remarked it a couple of times uh, since we saw them at Bendigo, when we saw them in the Dreamtime game, and even in the game early in in the year against Collingwood, you can see when they got a bit of rhythm going and they linked up and uh, had some good passages of play, they got confident. And walking away from Queen Elizabeth Oval the other week, you got... Well, I certainly got the feeling that this side could achieve anything. It reminds me a little bit of Seaford a couple of years ago when they weren't expected to do much in their season. They got on a little bit of a roll, got a bit of momentum and shook a couple of sides of the competition, expecting Richmond to do a similar role in 2018. And just maybe, just maybe they might be able to pinch fourth spot, but they're going to have to do a lot of hard work to get that Hawthorne doing what good sides do. I don't think they're firing on all cylinders at the moment, but they just getting over the line. Goal kickers on the weekend for them. O'Donnell kicked one. Hutchins, Kyes and Gilder were the other goal kickers on the weekend for them, whilst for the Tigers, Dixon, Wakefield, Latit and Gunn were their goal kickers. In Darwin, the NT Thunder 4-4-28 were defeated by Collingwood 6 8 First time a Victorian side's defeated the Thunder up in the Northern Territory on the weekend. And Collingwood now sitting by themselves at the top of the ladder. They haven't had a loss so far in 2018. They do have the draw against Geelong from earlier in the year. But apart from that, it's all wins for, for them. Northern Territory Thunder were in front at quarter time and half time. But a great third term by Collingwood lead by Sophie Alexander, who kicked four goals on the weekend for them, helped set up victory on the weekend for the Pies. Emma Grant and Grubb were the other goal kickers on the weekend for the Northern Territory Thunder, Hewitt, Gore, Swanson and fourth. Key statistics out of this game, Chloe Malloy uh, continues her, her impressive form at VFLW level. She racked up 24 touches on the weekend, only the minor score. So it goes against uh, the last couple of rounds where she's been able to uh, get some majors on the scoreboard as well. McCormick was the biggest possession getter on the ground for the Northern Territory Thunder. She racked up 21 touches.
In a game that was closer than most people would imagine, Weemstown 5-7-37 went down to Darabin 7-9-51. Yeah, it wasn't the dominance I was expecting from Darabin on the weekend. I thought they would have put a little stamp on this game and worked themselves clear, but uh, unfortunately they didn't, and well done to Williamstown for staying in, in the game right up until the end. Darabin got off to a flyer. They had nine scoring shots in the opening term to zero, and that was probably an indication then of all, is, are the Falcons going to blow them out of the water? But to the Seagulls' credit, they did fought back, and it wasn't uh, the big margin that we were predicting it to be. Goal kickers in this game for the Williamstown Football Club. Harris kicked two, Williamson, Rowe, and Cameron were the goal kickers, whilst the Darabin Falcons, Hammond kicked three, Simpson, Exxon, Normington Dickens and Lauren Pierce all kicked single goals on the weekend. And disposals on the weekend, well, there's only one name that sits on top and that she has done for a majority of the season for Williamstown. Jess Duffin racked up 31 touches on the weekend. Uh, Bruton racked up 27 touches. Garner racked up 25. So the three keys uh, in the Williamstown side all getting a lot of the footy on the weekend. Brutton also laying eight tackles, the other two lay five. The biggest possession getter on the ground for the Darabin Falcons was Meg McDonald racking up 24 touches. And finally, at Mars Stadium in Ballarat, which was our RSN Carnival match of the round, the Western Bulldogs 4-4-28, defeating Geelong one straight six. And Geelong didn't get that goal until the final term. It was complete dominance. There was a lot of intent from the word go from the Western Bulldogs. They got out of the blocks um, and they just looked more structured, more set up uh, and probably more disciplined too with the way that they played footy on the weekend. They were just smarter with how they used it. They were working harder. Geelong looked a little bit at sea. They're coming off the bye on the weekend. Um, They played Darabin the week before and then they had the Queen's birthday weekend off. So it's been a little bit of a stuttery period for the Geelong Cats. They won't be using that as an excuse, though. Um, They would be very disappointed with the way that they performed on the weekend. Kate Darby was their only goal kicker. Whilst the standout up forward for uh, the Western Bulldogs, Michaelia Ward kicked two goals on the weekend. Muller and Blackburn also contributing to the scoreboard. Player that certainly caught my eye on the weekend, Libby Birch. We know how good of a defender she was at Darabin. She's really uh, stamping her authority, though, in this VFLW Western Bulldog side. She racked up 21 touches on the weekend and laid 10 tackles. Um, thought she took more than two marks, though, as the, the stats have got it here. She seemed to be clunking everything that went inside, uh, attacking 50 for the Geelong Cats. And was able to repel them. So a very dominant performance from her. Ali Blackburn, uh, we made a couple of comments during the broadcast that it was almost like no one wanted to go near her. She racked up 25 touches on the weekend. The highest disposal getter on the ground for the Geelong Cats was Fogus. She only racked up 15 uh, disposals. And I think Geelong would like to forget this game rather quickly because it's it's one that reminded me a bit of like Melbourne Uni a couple of weeks ago up in Bendigo. They just looked clunky. They had a couple of players ch- trying hard, but beyond that, they were pretty flat. Uh, great win for the Bulldogs, though. It continues their 
momentum that they've built over the last couple of weeks and just gives them a glimmer of hope of potentially making the top four. Southern Saints having the bye. As we have a look ahead to round nine, and there's about two games that could shape who gets into the top four. Let's first of all start on Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m., 7th of July at Casey Fields. The Casey Demons versus the Southern Saints. You've got a feeling if the Saints are to challenge for the top five, they've got to put away Casey. If Casey want to remain in the hunt for the finals, they must win this game. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game. The two sides that are probably equal when it comes to their progress in 2018. Casey have obviously got uh, a little more experience when it comes to AFLW in their side. The Southern Saints, though, are being led incredibly well by Peter Searle. I'm going to go Casey, but I'll tell you what, if it was down at Skybus Stadium in uh, Frankston, I'd be going the other way and tipping the Southern Saints. It's only the fact that it's out at Casey Fields that I'm going with the home side. I reckon the Southern Saints can certainly give them a run for their money. Saturday, 7th of July, 4pm local time, Darwin's TIO Stadium. This is a battle of fourth versus third with half a game separating them. The NT Thunder versus Geelong. Another rip-snorter of a game, this one, on Saturday afternoon. And given what's happened with the Northern Territory Thunder last week, I would have picked Geelong. This week, i got no idea. Um, these two sides, they've gone through a bit of a funny patch. We know Northern Territory Thunder have had some um, issues to sort out with their list management with uh, the memo or the directive coming from AFL Victoria. Um, that seems to have played out now and they're, they're back on track. Geelong, after the weekend, I'm a bit worried about how they could go with a long trip up north and no doubt it's going to be slightly warmer up there than what it was in Bendigo, uh, in Ballarat on the weekend. So, not confident uh, about the Cats. I think Northern Territory can end their two-game losing streak. Probably the biggest gap on the ladder for this match. Uh, it's between 2nd and 12th, Hawthorne versus Weemstown, Sunday morning, 8th of July, 11.30am at Box Hill City Oval. Yeah, I think Hawthorne is going to come out in this game. It's on their home deck and really make a statement. I think they just need to send a reminder to the competition that they are one of the top sides. Their last couple of performances, whilst they've been good, they haven't been great. So I'd be expecting Paddy Hill to get them up and about. Having said that, Williamstown will take a little bit of confidence out of their result against the Darabin Falcons. It was, seems on paper it was much better than their performance against the Western Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. So who knows uh, what side will turn up to Box Hill City Oval for them on the weekend. Hopefully a competitive one. Sunday, 8th of July, 11.30am at Windy Hill. It's Essendon versus Richmond. Expecting the Tigers to, to get the job done in this one. And, and similar thoughts with Hawthorne. I'd be expecting Richmond to just make a, a slight statement in this game. I think they've got the firepower in the side. They seem to have gelled together now. They're working very well as a team. Um, and I'd be expecting them to get a good win on the weekend. The forward line structure for the Bombers remains the biggest question. We know they can work hard. We know that they can have great transition of, of the footy off half back. It's just who's going to kick their goals and how are they going to work with each other inside attacking 50. That's the biggest question for them at the moment, and one that I 
think is going to take a little bit of work to solve. Sunday, 8th of July, 2.30pm at Melbourne University, Main Oval, otherwise known as Tin Alley. The Muggers versus the Western Bulldogs. Is it Melbourne Uni's last chance saloon to keep their finals hopes alive? Back in, they stop the Western Bulldogs. They've won three in a row. Yeah, all aboard the dogs train at the moment. They've got the momentum. It's in their hands at the moment, their season, and uh, they're doing what they need to do. They've got some AFLW talent back in that side, and it seems to be getting stronger and stronger as the weeks progress. Um, Melbourne University, as you said, I, I think this is the last roll of the dice. They're coming up, as I said, a side that's got all the momentum going their way. They come into this as the underdog at home. Um, and I'm just sensing there might be a little bit of an upset here this one. I think uh, Bulldogs hopefully won't be too far ahead of themselves, but uh, just got the sense that Melbourne Uni might be able to pinch this one. I think uh, if Emma Carney isn't back from her holidays overseas in the US, I can't see them finding a way to beat the Bulldogs because you need someone to negate Blackburn. And uh, I don't think Melbourne Uni have that player on their list who can do it. Well, if you put one or two or three on her, unlike what uh, Geelong did on the weekend and for the first half had no one running with her. Um, yeah, she's she's obviously a big concern. But if you're willing enough to attack going the other way, I think uh, you can get over the line and, and negate that factor. But you've got to be prepared to take the game on. And Geelong on the weekend weren't. I reckon Melbourne Uni might, might be able to. And finally, Sunday 8th of July, 2.30pm at Victoria Park. We're live on air at 2pm for our RSN Carnival Match of the Day. Matthew Cox calling alongside Lucy Watkin, making her play-by-play debut and joining her in special comments, Shash Doherty and Katie Lambeski. It is the top of the table, Magpies, versus the fifth-placed reigning premiers, Darabin Falcons. Mouthwatering is one way of describing this matchup at Victoria Park. The only thing that's not mouthwatering is the current forecast for that uh, match, which I think may play some role. It could be a bit wet. It could be a bit windy at Victoria Park on the weekend. And I think that favours Darabin. I think they've got the, the bigger bodies around the contest. Um, and we've we've seen them in the past. They're not afraid to, to throw throw their weight around and, and get what they want. That's not the right way of articulating it, but that's the way that they like to, at least used to play their footy. First time that I'll be seeing them in the flesh this year, so be interesting to see whether that trait is still there. Collingwood will certainly be competitive. They're the top side of the competition for a reason, um, and they will be looking to extend their winning streak. I'm going to tip... um, Oh, gee, I can't make up my mind who I want to tip in this game because I think both they've both got pros, they've got both got cons. I think if they're able to get, if Collingwood are able to negate the the Darabin Falcon forward line, specifically Hannah Mouncey, then I think they're a fair chance to win. But Darabin is certainly going to give them a run for their money. Darabin for me because I'm thinking if Aliso Day is playing. Elise, of course, played in that game that we called between Darabin and Melbourne Uni out at Casey Fields about a year or so ago in horrendous wet conditions and just lapped it up. That just suited her like a duck to water. I'm thinking that type of conditions will suit her, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Mouncey. If Mouncey will play out of the goal square, or because Mouncey's a bigger body player, and considering 
if it is wet weather, if the game's moving at a slower speed, does that then bring Mounty into the midfield to go, right, clean house, just go through and crash packs on every occasion to open up the ball for the likes of Aliso Day to move it forward? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely agree with you that the the only reason I'm going with Collingwood at this point in time is because the forecast at the moment is for a little bit of a rain. It's not for too much hours. We know how much that can change. In fact, it's changing by the minute at the moment. So if it is going to be very wet, um, I'd, I'd certainly think Darabin come will come more into play in this game just purely because they've got that bigger body. They've got those bigger frames around the contest and they've also got marking options, whereas Collingwood seemed to like that skillful, um, uh, dinky, left-right type of kicking. Um, and I'm just worried that maybe their game plan won't fit the weather conditions on the weekend. Having said that, uh, I'm still tipping them just, but I'd like to reserve judgment until about 2.25 on Sunday afternoon. And Carlton having the bye. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us, and we look forward to your commentary alongside Lucy Watkin this Sunday, 2pm on RSN Carnival for our match of the day between Collingwood and Darabin. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be a great game, and uh, also looking to the debut of Lucy uh, as a play-by-play caller. It should be a fantastic afternoon of footy tuning. Just about time for us to wrap things up here. A quick reminder as well that we are looking for reporters from WA, from Tasmania and the ACT. You can report on what's happening in their local women's footy competition by just giving us a five-minute rundown each week. If you'd like to do so, you know someone who might be good at it, please contact us. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash WARF radio or facebook.com forward slash WARF radio. And don't forget our match of the round this Sunday, 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. We bring you Collingwood versus Darabin in the VFL Women's Competition. This program is available as a podcast every Thursday morning by simply going to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio or, of course, hear the program for the first time Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Bye for now.